chapter 12. I only got two, two verses to read. Verse 4 and 5. And this is Jesus speaking, by the way. And he says this. He says, I say to you, my friends... I say to you, those of you who have given your life to me, those of you who have decided to follow me, who say you've given your heart to me, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. But after, there's nothing more that they can do. But I'll tell you, I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into hell's fire. Yes, I tell you, fear him. It's quite a way to open up a service. (laughs) No, but I believe God has a word for us. So let's open our hearts. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts for your word this morning. I pray that I would decrease so that your spirit would increase. I pray I would get out of the way, oh God so that you can speak to your people exactly what you spoke to me. I pray that. Soften our hearts to receive your word. Give us wisdom and understanding of your word this morning. I pray that right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, high five four people. And I want you to tell them this, fear him, not me. Tell them, say, fear him, not me. Fear him, not me. Come on. Well, good morning, CWC. How y'all doing today? Are you good? Come on. I'll tell you, man, I'm excited to be with you today because as you are well aware, I haven't preached for two weeks, and so I'm ready to preach it like I've already received it because God has given it. So I hope you guys are, are here and you're ready for it. Come on, if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Amen. Yeah, I'm ready to, to preach the word because I, I really believe that God gave us a word Uh, specifically for today, and I'm really excited about it because I believe this this word is going to encourage us. I I believe this word is going to convict us. I I believe this word is going to challenge us, but I also believe that this word is going to encourage us and strengthen us. I I believe that this word is going to reveal to us how we are to follow him. That's what I believe, because listen, don't, don't get it twisted, man. This life is all about him. Even though everything in this life and of this world is trying to steer you away from him, it doesn't change the fact that this life is supposed to be all about him. And this is why the enemy throws all this stuff at us, man, trying to, to get on us and stop us and distract us. And because that's the truth, man, we, we need a word from God so that we know how we are to follow God. Because the truth is, is this, if we're not hearing a word from God, then most likely we aren't following God the way God desires and requires us to follow him. Because my sheep know my voice and they come. They follow when I call, when I, when I speak, when I, give a, when I give a word. So if we're not hearing a word from God, we're probably most likely not following him the way he requires us to follow him. And listen to me, there's a specific way that God requires us to follow him. It's specific. 
It's specific. And because he requires this from us, he desires for us to do what he requires from us. Did you catch that? Did it make sense? I think I confused myself. Let me, let me say it. Let me say it this way. See, we can't allow ourselves to fall into a mindset, stinking thinking, where we think, well, God should just be happy with however I want to follow him. He should just, he should just be happy with that happy that I showed up for church today. Like, like God should just be happy with however I want to follow him. But, but see, the, 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 truth, the truth is this, that God requires all of us, not just some of us. Every part of us, not just the parts that we want to give to him, but every single part of us. He requires our full devotion. He requires our full attention. He requires our full surrender. God requires our undying allegiance and obedience. Do you know why? Because he's worthy of it. That's why. Because he's worthy. And and so I say all that to... To simply say this, we need to receive his word so that we are clear on what he is requiring from our lives. What he requires from us as we go through this this thing called life. Come on, tell your neighbor, say receive his word. Tell him, receive his word. Now a few weeks back, right, we launched into a brand new series titled fear, right? And what we've done is we've been going through the word of God and we're learning about this word fear. And we've been seeing how God has required us to walk in the fear of the Lord, how he has required us to fear him. We're learning how, how, how fear is supposed to be for us and not against us. And we're learning how to fear and who to fear. Because God's word is very, very clear. Continue. It says to walk in the fear of the Lord. And then it says to continue in walking in the fear of God. To continue to, to abide in the fear of God. And listen, this is not just merely a suggestion. This is a requirement. Which, by the way, let me, let me just say it this way. If God says it, it's because he requires us to do it. I mean, it's literally that simple. I think way too often we think just because God says it, he really doesn't mean we have to do it and do it all the way that he says to do it because, you know, he's cool. And if I don't get it right, then God's okay with that too. So it's cool. Everything's cool. But it's, but it's just not true. See, God isn't like us. God doesn't talk just to hear himself talk. When he talks, he expects every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He expects all of creation to respond to what he's saying. He requires us to obey every word that he speaks. And listen to me, there's no negotiations in this thing. There's zero negotiation. Like, ah, well, you know, God, maybe if I do this for you, I don't have to fully do that over there. And, And as if God is trying to make it more palatable for us. Like he wants to make it easier for, no, Mm -mm. no. You know what he did? He sent his son to die on the cross at Calvary to save us. That's what he did for us. And if he don't do nothing else, that was completely enough. So he requires us to obey him. And he requires us to do that by 
by fearing him. And so we've been exploring this requirement, fear. And we're seeing how, how God is wanting to give us a paradigm shift when it comes to fear. How he's, he's wanting to change our perspective when it comes to this word, fear. And, and so far along on this journey, we have, have seen how there is a, a fear that binds us, but there's also a fear that frees us. We've seen that there is a fear that cripples us, but also there's this, this fear that will, will strengthen us. We're learning, right? We're learning that from the word of God, that there is a fear that will weaken us. But God has always attended the fear of God to strengthen us and to encourage us. That's what he's intended to use it for. We're learning that the fear of God is meant to multiply unto us. But the fear of man and the fear of the enemy is meant to destroy us. That's what it's meant to do. You know, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. He says that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, he says, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. See, the fear of the enemy and the fear of man is meant to steal, kill, and destroy. But the fear of God is meant to give us life and life more abundantly. It's meant to multiply the psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 31, verse 19, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those. You have placed away, you've built a stockpile of your goodness for those who what? Fear you. For those who fear you. Those that fear him, God has stored up for them and then will multiply unto them everything that he is. This is why every spiritual blessing are yours in Christ Jesus for those that fear God. He will multiply unto us his grace, his mercy, his favor, his peace, his joy. If we walk in the fear of God. And this is what the fear of God is meant to do for us. It's, it's, it's not supposed to be against us. It's supposed to be for us. That's what fear is supposed to be. Psalmist writes in 34 verse nine, he says this, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, you his followers. For those who fear him have no lack from him. How awesome is that? Those that fear him will have no lack from him. There will be an abundance that God will release unto them and only unto them that fear him. There'll never be any lack. Psalms chapter 145, 19 says, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. And the reason that God can, can fulfill the desires of those who fear him is because someone who fears him will obey him. That's why he can give them whatever it is, the desires of their heart, those that fear him. Psalms 112 verse one says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Psalms 128 one, blessed is everyone. Not just someone, not just certain peoples, not just pastors or evangelists or prophets or teachers or not just them. Everyone is blessed 
who fears God. Proverbs 22, verse four says this, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. How awesome is that? See, there's a a fear that is meant to bless us, but then there's a fear that will curse us. And so we've been learning about these two types of of fear, and we've obviously spent way more time talking about the fear of God than we have the fear of the enemy. You know why? Because the enemy ain't worthy of our attention. (laughs) He's just not. Listen, we keep our eyes on him. We got nothing to worry about with him. I promise you that. Our focus is here. He ain't got nothing on us because at his name, he must flee. He must flee. This is why we spent more time talking about the one fear, the fear of God, and not the fear of the enemy. But, but don't, don't mistake in it, the fear of the enemy and the fear of what man can do to us and the fear of what people may say about us, it is used by the enemy to keep us from fulfilling what God is calling us to fulfill on the earth. That's what fear is trying to do. It's trying to cripple us. It's trying to paralyze us from doing what God calls us to do. Did you know this, that the Bible says the serpent? And the serpent is just another name for Satan, for the devil, right? Like the enemy. It says the serpent is the most crafty of all creatures on the earth. Satan is super crafty, super crafty. And one of the, the craftiest things that he has, has done is he has manipulated and counterfeited fear. And listen to me, he's the greatest that's ever done it. You might know somebody in the family or a neighbor that's really, really good at manipulation. (laughs) Not even close to him. He is the master manipulator, the master counterfeiter. And the reason he has to be a manipulator and a counterfeiter is because he'll never be the creator. That's the reason he he does it. He wants to be like God, but he can't be God. And so he just manipulates everything that that God desires to give us and he counterfeits it. So what he's done is is he's manipulated fear, he's counterfeited fear in order to bind us and to hold us captive to his desires, to keep us from God's desires. And one of the things that Satan has done really, really well is he has convinced us, the church, that we don't have to fear God. We don't have to. It's an Old Testament thing. Back with Moses and Jonah and them guys, right? Like, That's not for us. We're under the the, the better covenant. We're under the new covenant. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear God because after all, fear is a bad thing. And God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And so what he's done, he's convinced the church that we don't have to fear God and that anything and everything having to do with fear, it's all negative. It's all dark. It's all horrible, which is why we did the stage the way we did it. Because it represents exactly how the enemy has caused us to look at fear. When we think of fear, we think of scary things. We, we, we think of haunted trees and haunted forests and haunted houses. And we think of all this dark stuff when we think of fear. And because he's been successful at, at doing this, causing us to mistake what fear is actually supposed to do for us, because he's been successful in doing that, he's been able to keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. That's exactly what 
happens. That's what he's been able to do. And, and you know, I was, I was searching the heart of, of God. Are you guys with me? Everybody good? You listening? Amen. If, you, if you're listening, say amen. 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 Okay. Hopefully you're just in tune with me and not ignore me. But anyway. Because I do believe this is a word from God. And I was searching the heart of God about this, right? I was saying, Lord, what's the big deal with fear? Like, what, like what, why would you find it necessary to talk about it over 300 times in your word? Why? Why is this so important for us to get? Why is it so important for us to understand and to receive the fear of God? Why? Why, God? And I heard the Lord say very, very clearly to me. He said this. He said, it is so important for you to fear me and not the enemy because whatever you fear, you give power and authority to. That actually is really good. I was like, wow, Lord, that's so good. It's so simple, but it's so true. Whatever you fear, you give power and authority to. This is why, man. So when we fear something or someone, we have now given over to that something or someone power and authority to hold over us. And listen to me. No one can take it from you. You have to give it. You have to give it. The enemy cannot take it. You have to give it over to him by being afraid of him and afraid of the things he's gonna do to you and afraid of the things that people will say about you. You relinquish it. He doesn't take it. A lot of times we'll hide behind that and say, well, this person took it, this, you know, whatever. But no, you have to give up your power and your authority in order for someone to have it. And that's what fear, that's what fear does. That's what fear does. And I want you to think about this just, just for a moment, right? When somebody is fearful of heights, right? They, they won't go anywhere up high, right? Like they, they literally just, they just won't do it. Listen, my wife is so afraid of heights. God bless her. Whenever we, whenever we go to, on vacation or something and we're on the, like the 14th floor or whatever, she will literally barricade off the, the balcony. Not let us out there. Like, no, 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 no. Well, what if, what if, you know, like, it's all this what ifs. I'm like, well, yeah, what if a meteor fell from the sky and blew us up? I don't know. I mean, like, she's like, but what if the, 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 you know, the handle broke and you guys fell down under the, I'm like, relax. And so because she's so afraid of heights too, man, when we go to an amusement park, I'm the one that has to do all the high rides. And I gotta be honest, I'm really not that, that crazy about heights anymore. As I get older, I, I become more of a sissy. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> I was an iron worker, man. I would go up and, and, and I'd work 16, 17 stories in the air on one little tiny beam stuffing bolts. Now, man, I won't even get on a ladder to go clean my gutters. I call Shane. Hey, Shane, <laughs> I need help, dude. <laughs> that, that ladder's a little wobbly. But see, when, someone's, when someone fears something, they give power and authority to, to, that, to that something. When someone fears, right? When someone fears the dark, man, you won't catch them in the dark and they'll have lights on somewhere and everywhere. They'll put the light on in their, in their kitchen above the sink, you know, just the one single light. So there's at least light or they'll turn it on in the refrigerator if they have a refrigerator light. 
they'll, they'll put a little nightlight in their bathroom. They even got those plugs now that automatically have the, the, the outlets that already have the nightlight in them. Right? People put these on. Why? Because they're, they're, they're so fearful of the dark. When someone is afraid of dying, when they got a fear of dying, it consumes their every thought. And it paralyzes them. And it, and it cripples them right where they are. They, they, can't, they can't go and do what God's called them to do. Because what if this happens or that happens? Or, or maybe this could happen. And, and man, their mind just is consumed. And their heart's consumed. And it cripples them, this, this fear of, of dying. Because when we fear something, we give up power and authority to that something. And I want you to think about, I want you to think about this for, for a moment, right? And what's happened over the last two years of our lives. There's been a great lesson learned in this past two years. And I pray in Jesus' name. I mean, I've went from 16, from 12 months, 16 months, now I'm at a year. Like no more years, no more months. In Jesus' name, this all stops. It's craziness. But over the last two years, what we've seen is so much fear in people. I mean, there's so much fear. COVID-19 has given everybody so much fear. People won't go nowhere because they're afraid of this virus. They won't go to the grocery store. They won't go to church. They won't do absolutely, they, they won't go celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas. They won't celebrate any other holiday for that, for that matter. All because of their, their fear, because they've given power and authority to a virus. It's just true. They've given power to the virus to consume their every thought. Power to consume them with depression. Authority to consume them with anxiety. Authority to keep them from doing the things they love to do with those they love the most. Because they've relinquished. They've given over power. They've given over the authority. I know people that literally won't go see their own grandchildren because they're afraid of getting sick. They're fearful of getting this and, and dying. And listen to me, listen to me. The enemy is the one that has seized his opportunity. This is the work of the enemy. And believe me, when I talk about this, I ain't mad at people, okay? I'm mad at the enemy about it. He seized his opportunity, and I'll be really frank and very transparent. The government's hopped on the bandwagon. That's just true. You know, now, we can bury our head in the sands and go la, 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 as loud as we can so we don't hear it. But it's just, it's just true. I mean, you can see the writing on the wall. And so either we see it, we deal with it, we pray about it. God, give us strength, give us wisdom. How do we do it? How do we make it through it, God? And make it through it well to show people you in the midst of all this nonsense and all this fear. And, and hear me. The reason we are to fear God and God alone is because he's the only one worthy of all the power and all the authority. He's it. And we can't say that about anyone or anything else, not even our spouse. Come on, somebody. He's the only one. He's the only one who will not abuse his power over you or his authority over you. He will not abuse you because he loves you. He loves you, he's kind to you, he's nothing but good to you. And this is why only God is worthy of all the power and all the authority. And see, we've gotta understand that, that God created fear for us. And we must receive in our hearts his word that requires us 
to fear him. And here's why. Because ultimately, the fear of God will free us from the fear of man. It will free us from anything and anyone that this world tries to throw at us. It won't matter what they do. It won't matter what they say. Because I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. I'm gonna respect you. I'm gonna respect everybody. I'm gonna honor everybody. But I fear God. So you have no power or authority over me. Because I fear God. And today I wanna spend just a few moments with you, a few more moments, proving this this fact to you that the, the fear of God will free you from the fear of man. And we're gonna open up the word of God and it's gonna be a message. And the title of the message is this, freedom of fear. Not freedom from fear. Now that's what people wanna hear though. That's what people like to hear. Like I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no child of God, right? Like, like I, that's what we really wanna hear. It's like, oh, there's a freedom from fear. And, and, and that's, that's fine. But man, first we gotta understand the freedom of fear. We gotta understand that before we can have freedom from it. Have to understand freedom of it. And maybe some of you are like, oh, well, pastor, that sounds like an oxymoron. But listen to me, that's exactly the message Jesus is conveying in Luke chapter 12, verse four and five. That's literally what he's trying to get across to us. And let's read it again. This is what it says. Now I say to you, my friends, my followers, those of you who have given your life to me, I say to you, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. But after there is nothing more that they can do. He's like, he's like look, if, if all they can do to you is kill you, they're not worthy to have all power and authority over you. They're not even worthy. They're not even worthy of your, your, your thought. Don't, don't waste the energy. Don't do it because that's all they can do to you. Why? Because life is but a vapor. It's here one moment. Guys, listen, it's gone the next. It just is. One moment, man, I'll tell you, I've been in this uh, uh, many, many years pastoring and to see just things that happen out of the blue to people, it's awful. But it teaches you just how, how life is, is so fragile that one moment we're laughing and we're having a great time and the next time we're crying because we lost a loved one. Like it's that fragile. And so Jesus is saying this, look, Life is fragile, so don't fear people that can just take your life. Don't do that. But I'll warn you whom to fear. If you're gonna fear someone, fear this one. Fear the one who after he has killed someone has the power to throw that person into hell's fire. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus very simply saying, don't fear anything or anyone but God, that's it. Because he's the only one with the power and the authority to throw you into hell, <laughs> to not let you in to the kingdom of heaven. He's the only one. You know, when I read this, right, my mind automatically jumps over to Philippians chapter one, verse 21. And this is the apostle Paul, we'll, we'll read it quickly. And this is what he says, verse 21 of, of Philippians chapter one. It says, for to me, to live is Christ. And I love that. He's like, for to me, I don't know about all you, right? That's what he's saying. Like, I don't know about you, but, but for to me, to live is Christ. Paul's saying, look, as long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as I'm able to walk this earth, I'm gonna live like Christ. I'm gonna preach the gospel. I'm gonna proclaim salvation in Jesus' name. I'm gonna heal the sick in Jesus' name. I'm gonna cast out demons in Jesus' name. 
I'm going to go right at the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from me in the name of Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He absolutely has zero fear of what the world can do to him. None. What do you do with somebody like that? I'll tell you what you do. Nothing. You can't do nothing. There's absolutely nothing you can do to him. You can't threaten him with, with, with death. Like You can't threaten him. Like, there's nothing you can threaten him with. And listen to me. This is the enemy's, I'm telling you, it's his worst nightmare. It is the world's greatest adversary, a man or a woman of God with the freedom of fear. I don't care what you say, what you think, or what you can do. It don't matter. I serve him. So I've got no fear of what you might think of me. None. A person like that, you can't threaten to take their job. You can't. Because to live is Christ, to die is gain. God's my provider. Don't really matter. You can take the job. Cool. God will do it a different way. Thank you. You can't threaten to take all their stuff from them. You can't do it. You can't even threaten their life because they say, hey, to live, I'll live as Christ. I'm gonna preach the gospel, man. I'm gonna be obedient to the word of God. But if you kill me, cool, I'll go home. I'll go home. It's all good. Well, there's no more weeping, no more crying, no more hurt, nothing. No more sickness, nothing. I'll go there, go ahead. Send me there, do me a favor. This is literally what he's saying. It's amazing. Man, you can't do anything to someone with that type of freedom, this freedom of fear. You can't do anything to steer them away from following God, being fully devoted to God. You just can't do it. And see, this is where Jesus is trying to get us to in this Luke chapter 12, verse four and five passage. This is what he's saying. He's saying to us, you must receive the fear of God so that you can be free from the fear of man. That's the freedom of fear. Someone else that I, I think about when I, when I think about the freedom of fear, I gotta think about the apostle Peter, right? Gotta think about him. Because this man was something else. He was something else. Because before Peter actually receives the fear of God in his life, he's, we, we find him afraid of a teenager. He's afraid of a teenage girl before he receives the fear of God. And we see it in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 33. Now what's transpiring in this text is Jesus, they're at the last supper, right? He's getting ready to be arrested and then murdered on the cross at Calvary, okay? This is what's about to happen. And so Jesus is talking to all of his disciples and he, and he says to them, listen guys, hey, this is what's about to happen. They're gonna kill me so that many can be saved, right? And, and when they come to arrest me, you're all gonna scatter, you're all gonna take off. He's just warning them. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, not me. Not me. Everyone else might run from you, Jesus. And he begins to point at all of his disciples, right? All the boys, all of his boys. Like these bums might leave you. <laughs> but when I'm not leaving you, I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, actually, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Tonight, not, not three days from now, but this very night in a couple hours from now, Peter, you'll deny me three times, not once, but three times. Tonight, buddy. Peter's like, no, no way I love Peter. He's arguing with Jesus. He's like, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jesus, the one that, 
that knows all. <laughs> That's completely omniscient. He knows everything. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. If I have to die for you or with you, I'll die instead of denying you. I could just see Jesus, right? I could just see him. He's like, oh, bless his heart. You know what I mean? Like, he actually thinks he's tough. I'm sure he looks at me all the time thinking that. Like, oh, bless his heart, this guy. He thinks he's got it together. Let me help him. He's like, bless his heart. He thinks he's tough. He actually thinks that he don't have the fear of man. Well, he's about to realize real quick in a hurry, he fears man more than he fears God right now. Sure enough, Matthew chapter 26, verse 69, 36 verses later was all. After he said, there's no way I'll deny you. 36 verses later, a couple hours. Jesus is arrested. He's arrested. They take him into Caiaphas, the high priest's house, into the courtyard of the high priest. They're beating Jesus. They're spitting on Jesus. They're ridiculing Jesus. They're saying, they hit him and then say, who prophes- prophesy who just hit you, is what they're saying to the king. And Peter, somehow he slips into the courtyard with, with all that is happening. He somehow gets into, the, into it. And, he's, and the Bible says that he becomes cold. And so he walks over by the fire. They, they had a fire pit out there warming, you know, warming up by. And so he walks over to the fire pit to, to warm himself. And the reflection of the flame lights his face up. And now people can see who he is. And this little servant girl, little teenage girl, comes running over and says, you, you know him. You followed him. You're, you're a disciple of his. And the Bible says that Peter says, no, I'm not. And he begins to curse and yell and scream, trying to deflect, trying to separate himself from Jesus, the man he just said he would never deny. And he does it three separate times, twice to little slave girls, two times wild. Why? Because he feared man more than he feared God. But that's not the end of the story. If you fast forward just a little bit in the story, just just a little bit, what we see is, is that Jesus now has died, but he's resurrected again, and he's, he's seated on high. Now he's, he's resurrected from the dead. Man, I hope that excites you today, that we serve a God that is surely alive, who's not dead. Amen. That he's the God of the living and not the dead. Okay? And so he gets up out of the grave, and the Bible says he reveals himself to Peter and the disciples. And they were filled with great fear, the fear of God. Fast forward again, just a little bit, Acts chapter two. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they continued to walk in the fear of God and God multiplied unto them because they feared him. And being filled with the Holy Spirit helped them to continue to walk in the fear of him. Man, Peter, Peter, this man who was once afraid of even acting like he knew Jesus when threatened by a teenage girl is now so emboldened by the freedom of fear. He absolutely has no fear of man whatsoever, none, zero. And if you fast forward just a little bit more, we, we find Peter and he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin, the most powerful men in Israel from the Jewish nation, the most powerful 
They could sentence you to death. They could take all your stuff. They could do whatever they wanted to do with you over the nation of Israel. And here Peter is. He's standing in front of these powerful men, so emboldened by the freedom of fear that when the men say to him, if you preach the name of Jesus one more time, we will kill you. The warnings are over. Now you're dead. Just one more time, you preach his name. And Peter looks at him. This, this man that just denied over being scared of a, of a teenage girl looks at these men right in the eyes. And he says, we must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than men. See, Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, to continue to walk in the fear of the Lord so that you are careful to keep all of his ways. This is what Peter is saying. When Peter receives this this fear of God, now he is free to obey God no matter the cost. This is what the fear of God does for us. It makes us free to obey God. This man, even when he was threatened with death, said, yeah, okay, well, whatever, but we got to fear. You got to do whatever you got to do, right? This is kind of my attitude towards the government. Like, you do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to obey God. So whatever you want to do with that, that's fine. I'll respect you. Cool. But, but I'm going to obey God because I fear God. And what's wild, Acts chapter 5, right, is where this story, where we're picking it up now. You got Acts chapter 5, and this, this, these powerful men are standing there. They're threatening Peter, and this is what, he, what they do. They beat him with rods for preaching in the name of Jesus. And they send him away, and they say, don't do it again. And the Bible says this, that they went away rejoicing and praising God for being found worthy to suffer for the name. You're talking about amazing. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm at the place. Somebody comes up and starts beating me in the face with a rod. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure I'm there yet. Like, like, I don't know if I'm that safe to keep my hands down. I don't know. Lord, get me there. That's intense. Like they leave rejoicing and praising God, saying, Lord, we are so grateful that we were beaten for your name. Because they had this freedom of fear this freedom of fear, and they feared God, and so they could be free to obey anything that God said to them. Obey. Listen, we've got to realize that the, that the fear of God is, is for us, not against us. We've got to stop making it our nemesis and our adversary. It's our ally to walk with him, the fear of God. And when we, when we receive the fear of God, then no matter, no matter what people threaten us with, no matter what they may do to us, no matter what they say about us, the fear of God will cause us to be free from caring what they think, caring what they do, free from their idle threats and their lame accusations. We'll be free from it all. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's the freedom of, of fear. The freedom of fear causes us to rejoice in trials, just like Peter. Rejoice in trials of many kinds because we'll know that the testing of our faith will produce perseverance and we will allow perseverance to have its complete work in us so that we may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's the freedom of fear. 
And then when those things begin to happen, then we'll be able to follow God exactly the way God requires us to follow him. Not looking for shortcuts, not looking for loopholes. If we receive the fear of God, we will be free to fully obey God. The freedom of fear will cause us to to be blessed when men persecute us and revile us and speak all kinds of manners of evil against us falsely for his name's sake. And we will rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. May not be that great right here, right now, but one day it will be if we walk in the fear of God. This is the freedom of fear that God requires us to have because he desires for us to follow him and follow him well. He he requires this from us so that one day when we stand before him, we'll hear from him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to my eternal rest. Enter in. The Bible says that we are to be conformed into the image of Christ. In other words, we are to look like Christ, we're to live like Christ, we're to act like Christ, we're to talk like Christ, we're to, we're to love like Christ. We are to be Christ-like. This is what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, explains to us what Christ was like. Isaiah is prophesying what Christ will be like. And this is, this is what it says. It says that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding will rest on him. The spirit of counsel and of might will rest upon him. The spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord will rest upon him because he will delight in the what? In the what? In the what? In the fear of the Lord. See, this is what this is simply saying. Jesus did all that Jesus did. He did all the miracles that he did. Raised the dead, healed blind eyes, crippleds are walking. He did all the miracles that he did. And he had all the wisdom and understanding that anyone in the world could ever have. Because he delighted in the fear of God. The son of God feared God greatly. He delighted himself in the fear of God. Of the Lord. God did everything He did through His Son Jesus because Jesus delighted in the fear of God. I think a lot of times we miss that. We're like, oh, Jesus, just because He's the Son, God just automatically did it. No, that's not what it says. It says because He delighted in the fear of the Lord. Philippians, in, in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, it says this Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He was, he was fully God, but also fully man. But he was also before all things, in all things, and he's after all things. In him are all things. The Bible says in him and for him and by him all things were created. And anything that was created was not created outside of him. It was all for him. Every bit of it. But yet he still didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Even being in the form of God. 
And so he wraps himself in weak human flesh and being found in the appearance of man, it says there. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even though he is the only son of God. Even though he himself is a form of God, is what the Bible says. Even though the scripture says of him, he is the invisible God made visible. Even though the scripture says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Even though he still didn't think, he didn't, he didn't even count on becoming equal with God. He never wanted to be God because he feared Jesus says this, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And I love it. He goes on, he says, and I do absolutely nothing on my own accord. (laughs) I do nothing unless the father tells me to do it because I delight in the fear of God. This is the freedom of fear, church. When we walk in the fear of God, we will be Free, fully free to obey God. Fully free to surrender to God. Fully free to give our full attention and our full devotion over to God. The reason we struggle with getting caught up in earthly and worldly things is because the fear of the Lord, we're not delighting in the fear of God. We're just not. We're just not. See, what the freedom of fear does for us is it makes us feel like We never have to compete with anyone on the earth. We're not looking to prove anything to anyone because I'm walking in the fear of God. See, when we walk in the fear of God, man, we don't have to operate our businesses the same way other people operate their businesses and like businesses in order to to become successful. Oh no, I walk in the fear of God. I don't compete with them. And I know this, I'll have no lack from him as I walk in the fear of him. That's the freedom of fear, church. It's the freedom of fear. In Matthew 26, Jesus is being arrested. He's being arrested. And it says this, that one of the disciples takes out a sword and cuts off Malchus's, the high high priest Malchus's servant's ear, cuts it off. Matter of fact, John 18 actually reveals to us who it was. John 18 says, yeah, it was Peter. (laughs) I'm sure Peter was really happy with that. Like, John, you could have left me anonymous like Matthew did, you jerk. (laughs) But he didn't. He spilled the beans. The Bible says Jesus was arrested. Peter chops off the guy's ear. Jesus licked and sticked the ear. He just picked it up. Boom, done. Guy's healed, moves on. But what I found amazing about it was Jesus says to Peter, he looks at him. He says, don't you realize this? That if I ask my heavenly father right now, to save me. He would send legions, not a legion, legions, plural, anywhere between six and 9,000 angels, multiple of those. He would send legions of angels to rescue me. But I love what he says next. He says, but then how would the word of God be fulfilled? Then how could I obey the God I fear? If I, if I, if I do that. See, Jesus knew, man, he knew. All I gotta do is ask God. 
All I gotta ask, all I gotta do is ask him. He'll save me from the most horrific death. You know, in John chapter 10, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I, nobody takes my life, but I freely give it. Because no one can take your power and authority. You gotta freely give it over. He says, but I freely lay it down. I freely give it because I've given all power, all authority to the one I fear. I give it all over to God. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And now what? Now the many are saved. Now the many have become righteous in the sight of God the Father. When before that, no one was. Huh. Nobody. Peter was able to go from denying Christ three times to dying for Christ in real short order because he received the fear of God because he began to walk in the freedom of fear. And listen to me, church, we, we, we have to get there. Hear me. Don't let this work over your head, I'm telling you. No, don't just tune me out. Listen, we, we have to get there. I have to get there. It's one of my prayers every single morning. God, let me walk in your fear. Enlighten the eyes of my heart to your fear, oh God. Man, we have to get it, and here's why. I'm telling you, and you don't have to believe me, it's fine, but we're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. See, the Bible tells us, gives us a timeline of the last days. He said, you know when the last days are rapidly approaching when right will become wrong and wrong will become right. It's all around us. He says, you know it'll be the last days when, when people will love lawlessness. You know, what is happening? What is happening right now? When the love of many will grow cold, the last days are rapidly approaching. This is what Jesus said. This is what the word of God is telling us. It says that when, when, when men and women forsake natural relationships with one another and they begin to burn in their own lust towards each other, men with men and women with women, now the last days are rapidly approaching. And all these things we are seeing very prevalent in our society, very prevalent all around the world. And the Bible says... When these things begin to happen and take place, you know the end is drawing near. And when the end gets here, you will have to choose between life and death. You have to choose between Jesus or the world. And if you don't, if you don't choose the world's way, the Bible says they'll kill you. That's what it says. And so one day now, we as American Christians, we have a hard time fathoming this because we just done whatever we wanted to do up to this point. It's been a great country and, you know, but there's other parts of the world where people are murdered right now for the name of Jesus Christ, right now. They're being killed by the thousands, by the thousands. But to them, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Go ahead. I'm gonna spend it with him. One day, we're going to have to answer that question. Do we love him? Are we fully devoted to him? because we're walking in the fear of who he is. Did you know this? Jesus says this, in the last days when I return, will I find any faith on the earth? Any faith on the earth, any faith on the earth. The only way to have this type of faith when the end comes is to walk in the freedom of fear. It's the only way because then you won't fear any of it because you fear God. Stand to your feet, please. Church, we must allow the fear of God to rest on us. 
Ask God to teach us how to delight ourselves in his fear. That we would walk in humility and the fear of God so that we can be obedient to the word of God. If we fear God, we'll be free to obey God. If we fear anything else, you're giving power and authority to that, to that thing or that person. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Yeah, Father. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for each and every person here. And Lord, I ask right now that you would begin to, to teach us and impart to us the fear of who you are. I pray that, God. I pray that those of us who aren't sure, like how do I go about getting the fear of God, I pray right now they would begin to repent. Repent and say, Father, forgive me for the things I've done. But from this moment forward, I ask that you would help me to fear you. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can walk in the fear of God. I pray that right now over each and every person within the sound of my voice, oh Father. And Holy Spirit, as people come, because we're gonna open these altars, I feel like God wants us to open the altars this morning. But as people come, I pray that they are met by your spirit, a tangible spirit of God, a tangible sense of the fear of God that would come upon them and would strengthen them. Come on, Lord. Encourage them quicken them to live for you, oh God. Convict us and challenge us in the places we need convicted and challenged, oh Father. So Lord, I ask right now that the fear of who you are would rest right here on this place and that God's people step out of their seats to come up here. They are met by a tidal wave of the fear of the Lord, of the abundance that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, Look, the worship team's gonna sing. And I really felt like the Lord wants us to open the altars for people to be able to come and ask God to fill them with the fear of who he is, the awe and wonder and the reverence of who, who God is. Because American churches, we don't walk in the fear of God well at all. And man, we need the Holy Spirit to quicken our mortal bodies to be able to walk in that. I promise you that. And so man, let's take the opportunity. I know the Lord said to me, he's going to, to put it on people today that want to come and ask him for it. The Bible says we receive not because we ask not. So man, come this morning, take this opportunity to ask God to help you fear him. Come on, worship team.